Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be discussing the NBA Finals, and we will have our best for last. Now, if you are new here, you, you should know that you should follow and like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and also, like I said, follow and turn on your post notifications for Justin Time Sports social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Now, again, if you are new here, you'll know what I'm about to say. But if you're returning, you already know. Sit back and get ready to learn something. pretty diversified show uh normally we talk about the nfl we talk about the nba uh we may even mention the wnba which actually has some great action on right now um because uh the aces are playing the sun uh the aces are still undefeated they're gonna win the championship so if you want to make a little money in a couple of months put all your money on the Aces to win the championship um you know normally we discuss we would discuss you know normally we discuss jacob Degrom. Having Tommy John surgery for a torn UCL, um, you know we may even mention the two Cleveland Browns players that got robbed at gunpoint at three thirty in the morning. Um, guy, those guys ended up being safe. Uh, they stole some jewelry and drove off in I think Greg Newsom's car. Um, we may even discuss Zion Williamson becoming a father. You know, it's the NBA. We would even discuss that. We may normally we would talk about all those things, but none of that's important right now. Because if, if what my prediction is correct, this is the last podcast you will get from me um, before the NBA Finals is decided. Um, oh, let me double check that before I say that. Let me double check that before I say that. Um, game 6 is Thursday, June 15th. So you'll get one more podcast from me because it ends in 6. Um now, let's start off with the NBA Finals. Or pretty much going to be the main content of this show. It's going to be one of our shorter shows. I know you guys used to be going anywhere from 50 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, usually hitting about that hour mark. Uh, it's going to be one of our shorter shows because, again, we won't discuss pretty much anything else. I've touched on whatever else is important, in my opinion, at the moment. Um, even the NHL Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals are going on right now. Shout out to Vegas Knights. Um, again, none of that's important right now because we're going to discuss the NBA Finals. That's going to be the primary topic of this show. Of course, we'll have our best for last. Um, but the primary content of this show, of course, we'll be discussing the NBA Finals. Um, game 3, by the time you guys hear this, will be that night. Because I'm recording this Wednesday, about 7-ish local time. Um, and so by the time you guys hear this, it'll be Thursday morning. Um, so it'll be, you know, Game game 3 will be tonight. But so if I mess up and say tonight or tomorrow night, just know whenever I record it, it's Wednesday night. Moving on. Game three is tomorrow. Screw it. Game three is tomorrow night. I ain't got time to do the tonight thing. The series is going how I predicted it would go. Um, I figured Miami would split. And I figured they're going to split in Miami. 
And I feel like by the time we, re- we record this again, Denver will be up 3-2, looking to close it out in Miami. Um, and I say this, and I say that because of this. Michael Malone is a good coach. He's not Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA right now. He's not Eric Spolstra. Um, but Michael Malone is also not Joe Mazzulla. And Joe Mazzulla, and to me, a less talented Boston team, pushed Miami to seven. And if Tatum doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens in that game seven? You get, you get what I'm saying? Michael Malone came out and outworked as a coach the Heat, the first game. Um, Jokic did whatever he wanted to do. He was a passer. He was a scorer. He had a triple-double. His ninth one of the playoff run. Uh, Jamal Murray made some shots. Michael Porter Jr. made some shots. Contavious Caldwell made some shots. Aaron Gordon played like a beast, etc. Because Jokic was allowed to spread the ball out. Game two, Eric Spolstra stole a play out of Steve Kerr's book. Steve Kerr was on the Draymond Green show. And he spoke about how when the Warriors beat the Nuggets, that's what they did. They just said, okay, Jokic, you get whatever you want. We can't guard you anyway. You get whatever you want. We're going to make sure the others don't eat. Because the Nuggets have a tendency to Jokic watch. Which, when you have an all-time great player, especially an all-time great passer, it's easy to watch that person we see or watch whatever action they're in. So if you're not in the pick and roll with the one-two game with Murray or Jokic has the ball in the middle of the floor, you're Jokic watching. Um, and you, you you see it in history. Magic Johnson's one of the few players ever to not really get a watcher in a situation. Like, just go back through the, those NBA Finals tapes um, on the NBA app. There's a lot of Larry Bird watching. You know, and the basketball wasn't sticking the way it does now. Not as nearly as much isolation ball. Um, unless it got down to the post like it is now for perimeter players. Um, but there's a lot of Jordan watching. There's a lot of Jokic watching. There's a lot of Duncan watching. There's a lot of LeBron watching. There's there's a lot of Kobe watching. There's a lot of AI watching. There's a lot of Shaq watching. Um, there's a lot of Jokic watching. There's a lot of LeBron watching still. The Bucks are falling to uh, Giannis watching. I've seen the Warriors, once they moved the ball, when Steph hits a couple threes, now they're watching Steph. You know, and it's hard when you have these generational players, especially, like I said, gifted passers, to not just watch these guys do their thing and then get ready for the shot. So, in game one, that strategy worked because they were two-manning, the the players were moving, the the heat couldn't really lock in on anything, shots were raining in from everywhere. It was hard to defend. Nuggets walked through them. In game two, they said, okay, Jokic, we don't have anybody to guard you. To be honest, there's nobody in the league can guard you. Not to, you know, guard you in terms of keep you 20 points. You know, like, it's just not possible. You shoot, you dribble, you floater, you post hook. Like, it's not possible, right? So get whatever you want. Go get 40. Great. You're going to get 10, 12 rebounds because you're a 7-foot wall. Great. We're going to keep that assistant below. We're going to make sure Michael Porter Jr. is in the corner, stuck, pressed. We're going to make sure Kentavia Carr Pope stuck in the corner, pressed. Whenever Jamal Murray's the screener, we're going to ice the screener. You know, we're going to just do things to make sure we're going to X cover behind it. We're going to do things to make sure that that pass isn't an option for you. So if you shoot it, go for it. But we're going to make sure that pass is an option for you because you come off the floor and Kentavious Carver Pope hadn't shot in four minutes. And Michael Porter Jr. hadn't shot a real good, a good shot in three or four minutes. He's going to shoot him, whether it's a good shot in three or four minutes. Jamal Murray hasn't shot in four or five minutes. And you're off the floor, and now they have to all shoot it. 
with a cold out of rhythm. Um, and Steve Kerr, like I said, Steve Kerr spoke about that on the Draymond Green show. That's what the Warriors did. Like, do you, bro? We're going to make sure the rest of them don't get it off. Now, it was easier when the Warriors did it because Jamal Murray was hurt. So there wasn't really a second ball handler because Michael Porter Jr. or play initiator. Because Michael Porter Jr. is going to initiate no one's plays but his own. And I love Michael Porter Jr. because he's very unapologetic about the fact that he's initiating nobody else's plays but his own. I love it. He's averaging one assist a game. I think he has like 80-some-odd assists his career. or 80, I think he got 80 assists this season. Uh, there's a photo going around. He's like pulling up over three Miami Heat players. And Jokic and Murray are both under the goal with their hands out. And he pulled up. It's just who he is. He's a scorer. He's been a scorer since he was in high school. I love his high school film. One of the greatest high school films I've ever seen in my life. Um, I thought he was a no doubt. I called him Baby KD. It's like it was. It was no doubt. What in my mind, he was twenty five to thirty points a game. One of the better players in the NBA because he was six ten and all the tools. Back surgeries have kind of robbed that. Being with Jokic and Murray has kind of taken that away. But I'm like, if he ever wins his own, I still say that. Let's say, like, Detroit calls and offers a 2027 first for Michael Porter Jr. and they take Michael Porter Jr. He's going to average 25, 26 points a game on Detroit because it's going to be one of those who else is going to shoot. He's going to get 20, 20, he's gonna get 25, 26 points a game. Like, he's still that level of score, right? And so when you get to that level that he's at, um, and then you – but he's not a – He's not a passer. He's a scorer, right? And so with Jamar Murray out last year, it was easier for Steve Kerr and Jamar Green to really hone in on Jokic and say, hey, KCP's not going to get that jumper. Michael Paul Jr.'s not getting that jumper. We're going to body and bully up Aaron, uh, Aaron Gordon. Um, Compazzo's not going to get that open uh, straight-ahead jumper. Like We're going to make sure that these – I think Austin Rivers on that team. Austin Rivers is not going to get that wing three he loves. Like, we're just not going to let those guys get that catch-and-shoot opportunity. We're going to make Jokic beat us, right? It's kind of similar to what the Lakers did in the bubble. They iso him and Anthony Davis, or him and Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard really bullied Jokic in that series. He was just stronger and more physical. And then, of course, again, they iced the shooters. Um, and so Miami took that strategy. Jokic had 41-11, but he had four assists. And you can look at the end of that game. I don't think Aaron Gordon wanted the ball. I don't. Jamal Murray's Jamal Murray. Um, I think if he shoots three, four more shots in that game and makes two more, he makes that step back three over Jimmy Butler. Cashes it. When he let it go, I thought it was cash. Um, you know, I don't know how much Michael Porter Jr. really wanted the ball in that spot. Bruce Brown and that other Braun guy, like, I don't think they really like. So you get guys out of rhythm and they get to Jokic watching. But now Jokic needs you to make a play. Now, Murray got a beautiful step back. It's posted on Justin Thompson. It's a wonderful step back. Step back three, created the space, fired it. He left it three inches short. He put three inches more power on it. It switches. And we may be talking about Denver being up 2-0, going to Miami uh, with a commanding 2-0 lead. And Miami having to win four or five to win the title. Um, instead, we're talking about a best of five series. Miami having home court advantage, having three of the five games in their building. Uh, games three and four and game six. Um, so I think that the Nuggets have to work on not Jokic watching. Um, and then flip it to Miami. Man, great game. Um, 
But my question is sustainability. They made, again, Jokic had four assists. I believe that was the smallest amount of assists he's had all playoffs. I mean, I don't know when the last time Jokic had four assists in a game. He only had four. You made 17 threes. They had little to no turnovers, from my memory. Jokic has four assists. Jamal Murray only has 15 shots. Michael Porter Jr. does basically nothing. I don't remember Aaron Gordon making a bucket. And you win by three with Jamal Murray having a chance to step back to win the game. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope fouls two missed three-point shots. Again, you won by three. And KCP fouled two three-point shooters that missed both the actual threes. They made the free throws, but they missed both actual threes. Take those six points away, Nuggets win by three. Instead of going 17 of 35, you go much more realistic, 13 of 35. The Nuggets win by nine. Duncan Robinson doesn't have the 10-point flurry he has, which is the NBA Finals. Things happen. I mean, I remember Mike Miller without the shoe. Um, you know what I'm saying? I remember, you know what I'm saying, Mike Mike Williams without the shoe. Um, remember Mike Miller tried without the shoe for LeBron. I remember Mario Chalmers got hot. I remember the Norris Cole game. Uh, I remember James Jones reigning in threes. Like, it's the I remember Draymond Green scoring thirty something points in Game Seven. Like it's the finals. Things happen, right? Duncan Robinson was a nice signing, ninety million dollar contract. Now he won't reach most of his incentives, so it'll probably be a sixty million dollar contract, sixty five million dollar contract. But he still signed a big contract, right? I think he signed the biggest contract for undrafted player ever, right? He had a ten point flurry in there. Let's say it's a much more realistic three and a layup for Duncan Robinson instead of like two threes, a layup, and two free throws, something like that. He gets five instead of ten. The Nuggets win by two. Like, if you're the Miami Heat, you stole a game. All kudos, congratulations, and you did what you wanted to do. Which you went in there and you stole the game. But it took 17 threes, a season low probably, an assist from Jokic, a flurry from Duncan Robinson, KCP fouling two three-point shooters, Aaron Gordon basically doing nothing, and Jamal Murray being passive or limited for a quarter and a half in terms of shot attempts to win by three. On a, again, and Murray leaves a step back three about three inches too short, or he swishes it, and we're going overtime. Like I said, potentially I'm talking about can the Miami Heat avoid a sweep. Um, but again, you got the win. So if you're the Miami Heat, Re, retrain your brain because now it's a five game series you went in there and did what you wanted to do it's a five game series and you as the eight seed as the lowest seed in the playoffs because I think the west eight seed was better than the uh no the heat were better than the Timberwolves record wise but anyway like the second to lowest uh seed in the playoffs now have home court advantage in the NBA finals you have a opportunity here to never have to win another game in Denver and to win this series in six because you've already got one game. So now you just got to win three, four, go to Denver. You can lose that game five, come back home and win game six, and you're in the driver's seat. Um, and you win the NBA title on your home floor in six games. I don't think I don't think they can do it without Jimmy Butler being the best player. That's just me being honest. Like if the, NBA, if the Miami Heat wins the NBA Finals, Jimmy Butler has to be the Finals MVP. If it's Caleb Martin as the best player, the Miami Heat won't win. 
If it's Bam Adebayo is the best player, the Miami Heat won't win. The best player on the Miami Heat has to be Jimmy Butler. Otherwise, they will not win the NBA title. Sorry to be the bear of bad news. Life. Um, it's just a fact, right? And so, if you're the Heat, you're thinking in your head, we split and Jimmy hasn't even had a game yet. The only thing I can say that is, kind of told you you were going to win two games. One of them is going to be for Eric exposure, and one of them is going to be because of Jimmy Butler. That was your Eric Spolster game. He outcoached Mike Malone. He got Jokic in a scoring battle. And even though Jokic trying to set up his teammates, they, again, they forced Jokic to score. They kind of left him one-on-one with, like, Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent and, like, in the zone, making Jokic shoot it. Because um, everything in him is like, dude, I'm a seven-foot wall, and they got Gabe Vincent on me trying to, trying to guard me. It's not going to work, right? And so he was getting his little push shots and his little layups, but nobody else on the court was shooting the ball. And it was the perfect strategy because now you're forcing uh, those other guys to go cold and you're forcing Jokic to kind of ignore his own teammates and get rid of his natural instinct. Because there was a three Jokic made that he caught the ball wide, not wide open, but it's NBA open, you know, where the guy would have had, I think, bam would have had to make two or three steps to close out on Jokic. And Jokic pump fake and stopped. And then like the whole court froze for like a second, second and a half. And then Jokic uh, launches it and nails it. Um, but his instinct was to pump fake and probably kick somewhere once the defense rotated. Nobody moved. He shot it himself and nailed it. But just being that aggressive scorer is not Jokic's DNA. It's sort of like when LeBron has those games. It's not in his DNA. Magic Johnson, you know, went for 42 in the finals as a rookie. Like, it's not in his DNA. It's not It's not Jordan. It's not Kobe. It's not Wilt. We these guys just say, okay, Allen Iverson. Like, I'm a Reggie Miller. I'm going to just shoot it, you know? I ain't got to worry about setting nobody up. I ain't got to worry about being a great teammate. I'm going to just let them fire. And I'm going to just let them rip, right? And so not dealing with that kind of personality or that kind of player and dealing with the more – Passive is a bad word, but player that wants to set up a team player that wants to set up his teammates, his natural instinct is set up my teammates. It's hard for him to then flip it back and be like, oh, I'm going to just shoot all game. I'm going to go get 50, 60 because they're not going to let me pass up my teammates. Fine, I'm going to shoot it all game. Like, Jokic was still trying to make those amazing passes, but the problem is that person's glued to him. And so that angle... And that window that um, Jokic was able to get the ball through in the last series, he can't get it through now, right? And so, even in game one, he can't get the ball through that gap. Um, so, kudos to the Miami Heat. Like I said, I, I gave him two guys. Stay forward to Nuggets, sticking with my prediction. After game one, well, I consider saying sweep. But I, I said, I got too much respect. Like I said on the podcast, I have too much respect for Eric Spolster, too much respect for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Um, and those guys to just say they're going to get swept out. You know, like I have too much respect uh, for the guys that do that on that man. I have too much respect for Heat culture. I say, are you supposed to get him a game? That was game two. Jimmy's going to get him a game. I don't know if that's going to be game three or game four. I don't see how they push it past five if they lose both games in Miami. Um, but... I think Jimmy's gonna get him a game. Maybe that game four. I think the Nuggets go. I think the Nuggets go in uh, tomorrow night and they win game three. 
um, put the pressure on the Heat to win game four. The Heat respond. Uh, Jimmy has a 40. One of those one of those playoff Jimmy games. He hasn't had one in a while. He's been weird Jimmy. Uh, off Jimmy. Uh, where he's kind of just been passive. Kind of not jogging around the court. But like there's no energy there. There's no fight there. There's no Jimmy Butler. There's no playoff Jimmy there, right? And so I think that he's going to get them a game four. Um, and force it back to Denver. All the pressure in the world on Denver. The shooters respond. They make 18 threes or so. And then I'm recording next Wednesday or Thursday, whenever. Uh, next Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, one of those two. One of those three days telling you guys about how the Nuggets are going to win um, in six. And I may end up recording after game six. Kind of what I did with Boston, Miami. Where I had that late night recording session uh, after the game in anticipation for the series being over. Uh, I kind of think I'm going to do that this time for Nuggets Heat where I'll record uh, after um, game six. Like I said, because I anticipated being over in game six. I do want to kind of give an instant reaction. I, Boston, Miami kind of robbed me of my instant reaction move. Um, I ended up going to New York right after I recorded um, on, va- on vacation. So I didn't, get, I didn't get to give my instant reaction to game seven leading into the finals. Um, and so I do want to give an instant reaction to game six. And then, of course, if there is a game seven, I'll just record after game seven and do the same thing. An instant reaction. Congratulations to the champion or whatever. Um, but I anticipated it being over in six. Uh, Denver celebrating Miami home court. And then going to whatever that club is, LIV club or the IV club, LV, whatever that popular nightclub is that Lil Wayne talked about. And Mark Cuban and the Heat went after they won. Um, with the heat and stuff like that. Like, I anticipate that going up um, all night. I think the Heat rented it out. Then they flew to Vegas, rented that thing out. Um, was it the Cavs? The Cavs ended up going to Vegas. The Heat were in Miami, uh, whatever that club is. And then, like I said, um, having a ball and flying to Denver and renting out whatever big nightclubs in Denver and renting that thing out. Um, so I expect those guys to have fun uh, in Miami, of course. Um, but like I said, I expect game three tomorrow night uh, to be a, a Nuggets bounce back game. Like I said, the Heat made 17 threes. You kept your turnovers low. You kept Jokic from passing the ball to your teammates. You forced him to be in a scorer. You pretty much took Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon out of the game. Bruce Brown didn't do a whole lot of anything. Um, you kept KCP and those guys. Those guys were hitting all of them like, you know, Murray with the step back over LeBron. Little LeBron gave him the thumbs up. Jokic instead of being Jokic, I guess. But Porter Jr. hitting. I mean, he catches the ball and all three on his toes. He pulls up anyway and nails it in the corner in that Lakers series. Um, and if you hear people talk about it, and I've spoken about it too as well, um, that series could have easily been a sweep for the Lakers because in every, the Lakers were never blown out um, in that series. They had an opportunity pretty much in every uh, in every game to win the game. Um, it was, you know, tie game or two, three-point game with four minutes left where the Lakers would charge back or, you know, maybe they have been blown out early and they charged way back, but they would get it to where it's anybody's game late and the Nuggets would just win it on some crazy shot or a couple of bad positions by the Lakers or, you know, D'Lo missing. Um, and so Nuggets ended up sweeping. It could have very well been a sweep for the Lakers or after game four, heading back to Denver, Lakers up 3-1. You know, it could be the Lakers and Heat right now in the finals, and we're discussing LeBron going for ring number five and where they put him on the go case, et cetera, but we're not. 
Um, so I think that the Nuggets are going to bounce back a little bit because they took a lot of history. And I went through before, 17 threes, Jokic staying down, the Nuggets, uh, Jokic's assist staying down, the Nuggets hitting all these crazy shots, turnovers low for the Heat, Bam Adebayo putting on his best Jokic impression in the Heat uniform in terms of the passing, uh, Duncan Robinson's flurry. Um, it felt like the Heat couldn't miss in the first half from three, and you win by three with Jamal Murray three inches away from tying the game to overtime. Um, they still will not have Tyler Hero. Um, he was ruled out with his broken hand or his broken hand recovery, I should say. Um, he's in the process. He should be ready to go. Uh, hopefully by game four, game five, you're a Heat fan. But if I'm a Heat fan, kind of don't want him back. Like, I'm okay. You know, like, it's, we'll live. Like, Gabe Vincent... I, Hero has said he doesn't want to come back if he disrupts the rhythm. And I think that's the only thing that'll happen if he comes back. Like, I I don't see a path back for him where he doesn't throw off the rhythm. Because right now, it's been been a lot of Duncan Robinson. It's been a lot of uh, Gabe Vincent. It's been a lot of Cody, Caleb Martin. If if Tyler Hero comes back 20, 25, he's not going to rush back and get 35 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game because he hadn't played in four or five weeks. But if he comes back, get 20, 25 minutes a game, that's 20, 25 minutes that Martin, Vincent, and uh, Robinson won't get. Um, and so could that throw off their rhythm? Could that throw off their timing? What if Hero's going one for six, one for seven on his way back? You know, Hero's not won't be the best defender because he'd have been off for four or five weeks. So he won't be the world's best defender. What if he gets picked on a pick and roll? Like, you know, it's just stuff that can happen when a new guy gets dropped into the mix. Um, so we'll definitely see what happens when Tyler Hero comes back. But like I said, I expect the next time you guys hear from me, we'll have the Denver Nuggets being the NBA champion with Jokic being the Finals MVP, and I'm discussing how he's the greatest international, he's the greatest international center ever, uh, second greatest international player ever behind Akeem Olajuwon, how he's the greatest European player ever, um, and how he's the greatest passing big man ever. Eat your heart out, whoever else wants to be in the discussion. But uh, that is all we have content-wise for today. We're going to jump into best for last, which is going to be a quick discussion on the Live uh, Golf and PGA Tour merger. Welcome back into the show. I realized I forgot a piece of news in the NBA segment. So we're going to jump back into the NBA for a quick second. Uh, maybe like a minute, minute and a half. Because it's not really much to it. Because a lot of the story was BS. Um, and I was talking about the story that popped out. Shams, me, Shams, and Chris Haynes, to be honest with you, kind of all jumped on it within a couple of minutes of each other. Um and that was LeBron being recruited to Dallas by Kyrie. Like, say, we won't spend much time on this. Um, because for a multitude of reasons. One, Kyrie Irving is not a math. His contract expires June 30th. He's not under contract. With him. He's a free agent. He's not a maverick. Um, now, technically, he hasn't entered the legal moratorium period, the legal tampering period to negotiate other teams. But I'm sure he's doing it. Um, he's not a maverick. Okay? 
Number one. Number two, let's look at Doncic's team. So how were you recruiting to somebody else's team? That'd be like um, the assistant GM signing a player without the GM's approval. It's like, huh? Or like at your, at your office, the junior lawyer hiring somebody when the senior lawyer has no idea or the partner has no idea they got hired or didn't even know it was a thing. It's like, huh? How are you recruiting somebody to join my firm when it's my firm? Number three, Chris Haynes reported that, oh, Dallas was looking to make an offer on LeBron James uh, before the Lakers put together their trade situation and brought in, you know, Beasley and Vanderbilt and Russell and Hachimura and turn their season around. Okay, cool, great. Except the fact that LeBron James wasn't eligible to be traded before the trade deadline. He couldn't be traded last season um, before the trade deadline due to NBA, CBA rules, whatever. But he was ineligible to be traded before the trade deadline. So there's no way that the Mavericks could have been putting together a package to get him before the trade deadline if LeBron wasn't eligible to be traded before the trade deadline. So like I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. From a basketball perspective, it doesn't really work. Um, you got an aging LeBron who doesn't really want to play defense right now. Kyrie Irving never been interested in playing defense. Luka Doncic is, isn't interested in playing defense. So you'd have to get a 3 and D guy and a running dunk shooter and a running dunk center around them. Um, a rim protector and a 3 and D guy around them. What would the Lakers take back? Nothing that the Mavs can offer because he's trying to trade it. You're trading by assets for Kyrie. You didn't have three mass guys and no bench. The three mass guys, none of them want to play defense, and none of them are particularly good off ball. Luka's terrible off the ball because he's not really a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Kyrie, why would you want him catching and shooting? And you've seen LeBron in the playoffs? Don't really want him catching and shooting either. It doesn't work. We're just going to move on with this. It doesn't work. It's not going to happen. LeBron's never going to go to Dallas. He had that opportunity in 2011. He passed. <laughs> in 2010, he passed. He had it again in 2014. He passed. And when he requested a trade, ultimately, he ended up, when he did it for agency the last time, he went. He had a Dallas again. Dallas was on the table. And he passed and went to L.A. So he's never going to go to Dallas. Let's just all accept that. All move on in our life. Keep pushing. I spent more time on this than I wanted to. Again, we're just going to move on in our life. Cool? Cool. Everybody's in agreement? We're good with that? We're not going to discuss this any further. It's not going to happen. Great. Spectacular. Let's move on. All right. Back to what I originally want to talk about in Best for Last. I didn't get that. Could you try? Uh, sorry, Siri, my bad. I tripped my watch there. Uh, back to what I originally want to talk about in Best for Last, which is going to be the uh, the uh, the Live Tour and the PGA Tour combining. I'm not going to get into the, the political side. I don't care about the Saudi Arabian money being Live Tour. I don't care about how PGA looks, quote unquote, capitulating to Live. I don't care how Live looks. That business model really didn't work. I don't care. I really don't. Don't care at all. Could care less. What this is about, simply, it's money. And the PGA Tour looked up and realized they got a lot of our stars. Like, I mean, I can't tell you who won the last four PGA tournaments. I have no idea. I think I see Brooke Kepka, who's a live golfer, won one of them. Because the PGA Tour was like, yeah, you can't play in our tour events, but our opens, we technically can't stop you. So, like, Brooks Kepka, who's a live golfer, 
won a PGA Tour, run a PGA Major recently. Like, the stars of the tour went to live. Because the stars of the tour kind of realized, like, look, we can either play to eat, we can either we can either win to eat, or the place to get any real money, or we can simply go over here, sign this $200 million contract, still play for prize money, play in all these great golf tournaments, and then we can play on the PGA Opens anyway. But they went there. This isn't, this isn't a... We're not going to make a political thing out of this. We're not going to make a morals thing out of this. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to say this side had dollars and this side had cents. And they went where it made sense, which is with the dollars. We're not going to go any further than that. We're not going to go deeper than that. We're not going to dive into the mental minutia or the mental games people want to play with this. We're not going to do that. One side had hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed for a lot of the players that went. Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, I believe Rory McIlroy went as well. Uh, they put out, remember, um, uh, what's his name? The guy, Greg Norman, said that they had a 700 to $800 million offer for Tiger Woods. A few big-time PGA golfers turned down hundreds of millions of dollars from the Live Tour to stay with uh, the PGA, which, hey, Everybody has their thing. No, you know, everybody has their thing. No, I uh, actually found the tweet. Oh, so Roy McIlroy stayed in PG. I'm sorry. Tiger Woods offered $800 million. Roy McIlroy was offered $500 million. Hideki Masayuma was offered $300 million. And Real Will Zalatoris was offered $130 million, right? Tiger pretty much accepted that he didn't, pretty much said that he didn't uh, take the money because he couldn't fulfill the uh, he couldn't fulfill the requirements. He couldn't fulfill the tour requirements, so he didn't want to take the money. Roy kind of stood on principle and didn't take it. I don't know what Hideki and the other guy turned the money down for. No idea. Don't care. But these guys were offered hundreds of millions of dollars. Kepka took it. Phil Mickelson took it, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna get their money and be back in the PGA Tour. Like. It was a win-win for the guys who went, for the guy who stood on principle. You stood on your principles, and I hope you're happy with that. I'm not going to judge you on that. PGA Tour said, look, we need our stars back. Do whatever you got to do with live financially. I don't care. We need our stars back, so we're going to put this together. They actually brought in another tour as well, and this big umbrella for golf, and they're all going to play each other's tours. In my head, and I haven't really dove into it, and I'm sure there's golf shows specifically that will dive into this further, but when I hear the words umbrella for the golf world, I hear we're all going to play each other's tours. We're all going to split each other's prize money. Whatever umbrella you're representing, you deal with that umbrella. So if you're going to represent the PGA Tour, you're going to represent the PGA, you're going to have the little PGA logo on your shirt, that's great. Deal with other PGA. If you're going to be a live guy and you're going to sign that live contract and you're going to play these tours, that's great. You're going to be whatever that other third group is, and I can't think of them, but they didn't really matter to this anyway. No offense. And you're going to have that logo on your shirt. Go be it. You know, whatever. Like, But we're all going to be one situation. We're all going to try and get it as, as um, homogenous as possible. We're all going to get to try to get as symbiotic as possible. No one's going to try to screw anybody else. Let's just be one big, beautiful golf family. And please bang our style back PGA Tours we have our ratings go up. Cool? Great. Like, it's just that simple to me. Like, it's like an acting. Like, no, everybody didn't get me to a, a TV screen. Like, I'm going to go support pretty much whatever The Rock's in. 
Just being honest. I'm gonna go watch it. I'm gonna go watch like Tom Cruise get me to a theater. Like, you know, whether it's Mission Impossible, whether it's Top Gun, like Tom Cruise is gonna get me to a theater. These days, I seen Little Mermaid. Great movie. I can admit it, it was a great movie. Halle Bailey's probably gonna get me to the theater the next two or three films she's in. Um, because I wanna see her, see how she develops different roles. Um, trying to think of another female actress gonna get me to a theater. Can't think of anything right now, I'm drawing a blank. Not really big in the movies. But that's the kind of the sentiment. Like these guys are gonna get me to wherever Shannon Sharp goes next for his media career, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna tune in. I'm gonna watch on this video to see what happens with Skip Bayless. I'm gonna watch first take for Stephen A. I'm gonna watch uh or listen to first things first or watch whatever first things first because of Nick Wright. Like certain people get me to certain things. I wasn't really moved by anybody on the golf tour. And the casual golf fan wasn't moved because all the stars and names I knew besides Rory was in live. So now this big, giant, golf, beautiful family is going to just spectacularly exist and love each other um, because they're all under one big, beautiful family. The stars are back. And therefore, um, we are going to just love each other and be one big symbiotic family cool great spectacular love it move on peace um as far as the golf thing is concerned because that's all to me it is is it's not a capitulation it's just common sense the dollar and cents thing pj needs their stars lives needs their credibility if i'm live i say we I'll, our guys who signed our contract keep our logo on their chest until they finish if i'm pga i say that's cool but when they come to our tournament our logo's on the other side Great, cool. We all share players. Beautiful, great. IPJ guys go play live guys, can play live tournaments. Your live guys can come play our tournaments. Spectacular. Let's move on in our life. It's just that simple. One big happy golf family. Let's get our stars back on the PGA Tour television. But that is all I have for you today. Um, definitely keep your eyes on uh, Justin Time Sports social media for breaking news and coverage. We'll update you as we learn more about the live. PGA Tour golf situation, um, and we're definitely going to keep us keep you guys informed as much as possible. But that again, and that's all I have for you today. Um, like, rate, subscribe, share uh, wherever you get your podcast, and don't forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for the Justin Time Sports social media. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of the NBA Finals. If you're into hockey, enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup Finals. If you're into baseball, dog days of summer. Um, speedy recovery to Jacob DeGrom from his Tommy John surgery. One of the better pitchers in the game when he's right. A true ace. Um, so hope he recovers there. Um, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.